The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofa. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and uh, returning guest Charlie Clawson, uh, Jason John Whitehead is here. <laughs> Hello, How are you, mate? man. I'm great, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. We're in LA, which is nice. You came Woo. and you came and saw a gig that I did uh, on Sunday night at the House of Blues. I, I did the other night. It was fantastic. But what I what I loved the most about that gig was there was two gigs on at the House of Blues that night. Yeah, what was the rapper? They, they were two very different crowds. His <laughs> name was. Uh, Nipsey Hustle. Nipsey Hustle. Sounds it. like a racist sequel to American yeah. Hustle. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's fair to say that the, the crowd for the stand-up comedy gig and the crowd for Nipsey Hustle, like different demos. Do you remember what I did though? Yes. Well, that's why. This is why I bring it up. Now, okay. Now, all of a sudden, I have to defend myself. But I did not observe because we were the gig was at like eight. Right. It was ten after eight. So I didn't really, for an observational comedian, to right. not observe the cue that he's getting at the back of. All I just saw was a bunch of people. Right. So in a you panic, saw a really <laughs> long line of black people, is what no, you're saying. No. Look, maybe, <laughs> maybe I just don't see color. Right. So the, ah, thus, right. thus I panicked and I texted you guys inside, going, right. "This this lineup's not moving, man. There's right. too many people out here." Now, but I didn't notice that maybe they weren't comedy. Maybe they weren't white. Comedy fans, right? It was one of those. It was so, one of those lineups where uh, we, when we were setting up for the comedy gig, uh, we were looking out the window down to. So there was. Here are some signs that it probably wasn't a comedy gig. Uh, the audience was a lot of really, really big black men yeah, in particular. The, the metal detectors? Six metal, six metal detectors. Yeah. Not a lot of comedy gigs where they have six metal detectors uh, yeah. out the front. And the fact that there was 30 of the biggest security guards I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, great. Classic observational skills on my behalf. Right. I better join this line. And, uh, I'm pretty sure this is a line for the white guys telling jokes. Yeah. <laughs> This is, these guys wanted to see Will Anderson and Matt Kirshen. Right. For sure. Yeah, a British guy and an Australian guy. They have a massive a, black look, audience. Look, man, I've only been in LA for a week. I don't know what kind of audience you guys have been building here. Right. Maybe you've just been networking a certain type of crowd. Right. Like, no wonder they've not told anyone to come over here. Look, Will, these... I, I understand. You came here, you want to expand your fan base. Right. So Matt you know, and Will are the new Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, <laughs> apparently. Targeting a specific market, man. You know what? I did a, a, a showcase um, with uh, Gabrielle Iglesias. Do you know who Gabrielle Iglesias is? Is that Fluffy? Is yeah, that, Fluffy. Yeah. That's yes. him. Yes, a I very funny know. and very popular stand-up comedian, particularly Hugely in the popular. like Latino community. So again, yeah. his audiences are pretty much, you know, like much like a Russell Peters or whatever, someone who... Um, yeah caters to a really specific, you know, demographic and they just come out in droves for that act, yeah. right? And he doesn't he, and he's got like eight support acts, doesn't he? He like travels right. with an entourage and then like a, just a fluffy crew. Uh, like yeah, he does. He has like yeah. a, a fluffy yeah. crew and yeah. uh, not not fluffer crew and people bring him cakes. They bake him cakes for the gigs and stuff like that. Wow. And so he he has a, a television show called uh, Gabrielle Iglesias's uh, Comedy Revolution, I believe. It's just like a stand-up okay. lineup show, right? And it's predominantly again Latino acts, and right? they threw you on. And I did a showcase for it, <laughs> and and like killed. And he came up to me afterwards and was like, you know, I'd love to have you on the show. As it turned out, the the dates clashed with me doing some stuff back home, but I couldn't do it. Uh, but just for a minute, I was like, yeah. That's I could fantastic. be I could be the Mexican's white guy. I, oh, dude, I did my first black gig right. here as well. Oh, tell the, me about that then. Echoes Under Sunset. Right. Um, and now I can't remember the guys who, who, who run it. But it was a black gig. I didn't even... even well, explain to the audience even, because like, if you said in Australia, and I'm assuming maybe even in the UK, I'm not sure, but if you said in Australia, oh, 
there's a black gig. People have been like, okay, whatever this is that's racist. I'm not sure why it's racist yet, but there's definitely racism involved. Yeah, all right. Explain well, the idea I of a black it without gig. racism in my heart. That's yep. the best I can explain right. it. It was an African-American uh, central-themed uh, right. comedy night. That's so just what they have know, over here. They'll the have audience. nights where they... Yeah. Like, you know, you'll have your gay night, your whatever else night, and you... They love... Yeah, they have, right. love having a theme that runs through the whole lineup. Uh-huh. Um, but they... So they... Because I ran into the guy in a park... Because um, he was flyering for the show. Oh, okay. And I right. was just walking through this park. He's flying mm-hmm. through, the, through the show. And, and I said, oh, I'm a comic. And I'm just new to town. Right. I said, can I come <laughs> do it? And he kind of like sized me up. And, and I didn't, I just thinking the way I think, I just thought it's just a typical it's comedy. A gig, right? Yeah. I didn't jump to the assumption that maybe I'm not from the right culture. But he said, all right, man. <laughs> kind of with a laugh in his voice. All right, come yeah. on down. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. I had, I had a cracking gig. If there was a really awkward moment, it was female heavy, actually. Uh-huh. And it was all a black audience. There wasn't a single other white person in the room <laughs> for me to lock eyes with. But when I was on stage, I did. I said, whoo, I'm a bit nervous. I had no idea there would be so many... And I just held that for a while and I could feel the tension in the whole room. And then I just went, women here. <laughs> and they all loosened up and the gig was the gig was cracking from there. So, so are you here good. now for a while? Because you're an international comic. You just travel yeah. all over the place. Are you in LA for a while? Seven months I'm going to do this time. Right. So, and what, what, and what uh, are you going to do while you're here? Well, I'm on tour like, with Jim Jeffries. Right. Now, tell me about so, that. For people, I'm assuming that a lot of people who listen to this podcast probably know who Jim Jeffries is. He's a very... Yeah, you must know He's, a, in, he's a very, on, very popular Australian comedian, but in Australia, probably not as well known as he is probably yeah. in the UK or even in America. I assume... He has a great TV show called Legit that people can... Yeah, uh, and it's started showing in Australia, hasn't it? Yeah. I think? People have had an opportunity to see that there, and... And a guy who kind of built his career and made his reputation working in the United Kingdom, but but an Aussie guy, yeah, yeah, and like a massive, massive he, it's act. De- yeah, it's definitely Australia for him was never he was never embraced there first. No. Definitely, it was embraced in Britain first um, in the in the noughties, and that's when we li- we used to live together in the two thousands. And then America kind of discovered him about six years ago, yeah. and he came over here, and he's never gone back because America's embraced him, and he's just been on a roll over here for the last six years. Now he's got the sitcom and everything, so there's been a shift. So I think Australia has always been third on the list, still are, but America's taken over number one. And Britain kind of tries to beckon him back whenever they can. And, uh, yeah, it's going really well. I mean, he's touring massive rooms. I've been seeing some. Right. And, and what are the crowds like? Because uh, for those who haven't seen Jim's work, it's fair to say yeah. that, like, it's... Have you been doing an edgy. Oasis gig? Right. <laughs> <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever gone, oh, these guys are poppy and they can right. work, and then you show up and it's right. a whole bunch of shaven, like, shaven freaks right. going, oh, yeah, do Wonderwall. Right. Um, so... He's got a no. He's got a he's got an eclectic fan base. If you if you look right. below the surface, but for the most part, they're uh, excitable F one racing fans. And how do they feel when a like uh, you know young surfer Jesus walks out on stage and starts trying to tell them jokes? You know what? If you hold your own with a Jim Jeffries audience, they're yeah. all right after a minute. There's like respect. Cause, yeah, because I think they've already got. There's already an atmosphere of like of rebellion or that this is going to be this is some edgy comedy. Right. So to be honest, if you're able to go out there and hold that atmosphere for the first minute. Uh, no matter what you're doing, they they jump on board. Right, just like any because uh, you're part of audience. It. They're all yeah. You're part like, of Jim's oh, posse. Great, yeah, yeah. As soon as you you're doing the work of eight men on a yeah. Gabrielle Iglesias show. <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. So uh, yeah, they can be really fun, you know. And sometimes they're quite wild. Uh, like we we did Dallas uh, late last year. That was probably one of the most drunken audiences I've ever seen. Right, and. Uh, and I remember, because I had quite a good one, but I think I was drinking with them while I was on stage. Right. And they brought me up a couple of shots, and they just really warmed up to me. Yep. And then poor Jim comes on and tells them all that he's sober, and because he's just had a kid, and he's trying to be responsible. And just listening to his own audience. Just, like, Why have you betrayed us, Lord? Yeah, get angry and boom for <laughs> ten, 10 minutes. But then he just pulls out the word cunt, and then they're like, oh, it's okay. Stop improving your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So as soon as he starts slagging them off, though, then they they fall into line. Sometimes that's what they want. They just right. want Jim Jeffries to be mean at them for a minute. And then I I always think that that mu- that must be interesting as a comedian whose audience expects that from them. Yeah. Like you know, because I don't 
expect that from an audience. Like no. I don't mind, I don't mind rocking down to a late show or whatever, like and yeah. having an, like going on in an unexpected spot and like having like yeah. a, an audience arc up and having some fun with it. Yeah. But like fuck, some, you definitely some, don't think a some typical Will like, Anderson audience right. just wants to be slammed. <laughs> Come on, make fun of us. Bring us down to earth, Will. Life is too good. <laughs> Tell me I'm shit. Make me happy. <laughs> no, I don't think that's either of the rooms that we usually play. No. So it must be interesting. But, uh, I, I think that would be an interesting... I'll have to uh, get Jim on at some stage when he yeah, has a spare moment and, and good fun. pick his brain. I mean, I see there's some brutal acts of rebellion that happen in the room sometimes. What do you mean? Like, uh, this was on tour in Britain, though, because I, I did some dates with him in Britain. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was two kids in the front row doing cocaine what while i was on stage in the front row i could see them there with it on their laps and and then and (laughs) so it was an auditorium it was an auditorium probably about 1200 seat auditorium and i'm doing i do this like 30 minutes up to the break right when i threw out to a break i immediately went backstage and i told jim there's two kids and i even acknowledged it while on stage like Put that away and stuff. Right. I never said what it was, but and there was wasn't much security or anything, and they're all just loose, and the whole room was shit faced, and uh, and I told Jim about it, and then sure enough, these kids have now snuck around into the back room, and they're there going, Jim, do you want to do a couple couple lines before you go on stage? And Jim's like, I'm sober now, go away, kind of thing. We're just oh my God, yeah, like I love it, like I love overt. it. Jim has like graduated from having to play places where they serve food during like yeah, comedy clubs. <laughs> yeah. Now he's playing gigs in theaters where people are doing cocaine in the front yeah. row. Yeah, maybe he was that popular back in the <laughs> back in the circuit days. They'd be at the door going, "Do you want some of my chicken?" Right. <laughs> Jim, Jim, it's really good chicken in a basket here, and I'll share it with you. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's moved on. Higher class of idiot, I guess. Uh, do you want to like uh, do acting and stuff like that, or just stand up out here? I've done I've done a couple acting. Uh, acting things have you yeah I, I, you know what i really just want to have fun and do some fresh stuff and uh, I, I you know what i'd be really excited to be involved with something well, so what's your previous acting experience um i had my own short-lived sitcom on the bbc back in england which uh what was which, that called it was called web rats web yeah, Web Rats. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it started me and Mark Wooten. And Mark Wooten has gone on to become quite a famous actor now. Um, you might have to look him up from Australia. But he does a lot of work in England now. He's been in a lot of sitcom work. Uh, me and Mark Wooten, we were, we were shut-ins. Uh, shut-ins who uh, just computer geeks. Right. So we had like this apartment... And uh, we would, you know, pirate DVDs and like the way we made a living. So we kind of were agoraphobic and, you know, didn't want to go anywhere, do anything. But we were pirating CDs and DVDs, you know. And so we had people would come and visit us at the flat and take away our products and stuff. And we just kind of sat in there in our own paranoia. And basically, I was na- I was the naive kid. This is when I still had the dreadlocks right. as well. So I had these dreadlocks. So I was like naive, almost a captive of Mark's. Okay, right, yeah. You know, and then Mark, because I. Of course, still had the Canadian accent and everything. So uh, here, I, here we are in some random English uh, city, and Mark was the aggressor and the conspiracy theorist. You know, we had like a wall of monitors uh-huh. of a local shopping center parking lot and stuff like that. And we'd always been, be, he'd be staring at it, saying something's going on there. And not until the credits of the show would roll, then you see people put a body in a trunk, right? Kind of thing. Okay, and, and yeah, right. On that. So that was the idea behind Web Rats. But it lasted about a month. Right. So it, it was, although it ironically, was, uh, like it did massive business in illegal downloads, bird <laughs> yeah. DVDs, yeah, yeah. like we're, down we're, the market. We're it was very popular in Lithuania. Right. <laughs> 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 we'll go back there and tour once a year. Um, well that, oh, JJ Whitehead, what rats? Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all wearing the shirts. And, <laughs> I don't remember that merch. <laughs> <laughs> What's that experience like, like doing a sitcom? Because I've never done any acting. I I find acting uh. like quite terrifying, and um, I like. But it, but even that idea of like going into something and like you know you're doing a sitcom. Well, I'll tell you right now that Mark Wooten's Mark Wooten I think is an elite mm-hmm. character actor. So if you haven't done much of it, like because me, like likewise me. I mean, I did another one. Like Glenn Wool had a had a comedy lab uh, uh-huh. sitcom. I did a spot in that with him. So, and I pop, and I did a little sketch show. So I've popped up here and there. But yeah, it's um, 
it's a little bit out of our comfort zone. I think if you're a stand-up stand, which I think both of us are. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best thing to do, I think, is I just try to find the mindset of just having fun with it, right? And and to be loose because you'll never you never feel I don't feel nervous in front of an audience anymore, uh-huh. but I feel nervous on set, of right? Like wanting to hit my mark and wanting to show people that I can do this. I mean, right? And I, I think that's a big part of it is like the idea that I think both of us are at a level of stand up and stand up's never a thing that you can master i don't think you know you're constantly just trying to like stay on the bull rather than like you know yeah become the master of the bull you know and it's but we both get to a point where like well we've done this for long enough that we could at least say out loud i'm a professional stand-up comedian yeah like i've done this a bunch in a bunch of different places and it's gone well enough that i can go you know and that's the one thing now that we're here in la if you do get an opportunity to act we, you can't be humble about it because this is America. Right. So we have to confidently... Yeah, if there's any casting people out yeah. there who are listening to this right now, we are amazing actors. Right. <laughs> but, but you do, you have to be... So now you got to walk into these rooms right. and, and they go, do you have any acting experience? Go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I can act the shit out of stuff. Right. Let's, let's go. Yeah. Um, you, you want me to act? I'm, I'm acting about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were, you, were you convinced by me saying I'm a good actor? I am method. Because I am not, but now I am because I convinced you right tricked you i've gotcha. got the job gotcha yeah the uh <laughs> yeah. Just like, that's not how it works even jim is because jim's in the second series of his sitcom now, yes legit and uh but he is playing himself though that seems to be is, a good way to but even he's he's acknowledging now that he thinks he's he thinks i was good he thinks he's becoming a really good actor now right. i think he is it's uh, so he's getting into his own skin but he said it took him the first half of season one, right, to realize you know how to hold himself on camera and where to, what to do and and I think you know. that like if you if you like Jim and he's made good choices like surrounding himself by excellent people, yeah. like I mean I think that's really important you know like I mean yeah. like you know Seinfeld was on the most popular comedy show of all time. And I don't think he ever learned how to oh, act. Oh, it's, it's a genius move. Yeah, right. uh, Jim compares it to Seinfeld right. as well, too, because he's got Dan Bacadal, who's a great character comic, and DJ Qualls, who's right. plays, uh, who used to be in Road Trip and stuff, and he's in the wheelchair. And they're outstanding actors, and I think that's the smart move. So right. Jim surrounded him with them, so he's done nothing but learn off of them for the last year and a half. And now he, Jim is saying he's becoming really comfortable as an as an actor, I think us stand-ups though, when we do our acting, we will always be a little bit of us, right? It, no matter what the character is, guy in the shop, it's going to be Will Anderson putting a, his Will Anderson twist on guy in the shop. Well, you've you spent know, or, so much time, and this is the thing that I think I, I've always found hardest about it is that so much I think of being a stand-up, or at least what the current trend in stand-up, what the general consensus, what we, you know, our like universal mind you know when yeah. we talk about stand-up is about legitimacy at the moment right, right? yeah yeah. like yeah. you know that this idea that you sh- it should be your own voice and the best stand-up are the people out there who are most themselves yeah. and being the most honest and sharing most of now i'm not saying that will forever be what stand-up comedy is about there'll probably be a time where it you know, people are sick of that and it flicks back to like, you know, really observational or really light yeah, or whatever but stuff. I, right? But I do think those, those comics who are the most themselves, like that kind of genre of comedy, which mm. is probably the ones, the one that we do, I think it is tougher for them to act, you right. know, Whereas because you spend those, so much time trying to define yourself as yourself. Yeah. Cause and then you're like, I have to pretend to be someone else. Yeah. I'm busy pretending to be myself. <laughs> Why are you going to be, uh, going to be careful sometimes when you, uh, see, I, cause I've stopped judging other comedy the way I used to in my twenties. When I used to see a, a character comic mm. sometimes, I used to be like, that's really shit. Right. Um, but then you think about it, go, no, this person's working on a whole bunch of characters. And when they go to castings, they, you know, they, cause, so they've developed a multiple personality disorder right. in a sense. So that could be very effective. And a lot of times character comics aren't as strong in front of a live audience at a club, for example. So they'll do their, their thing, but then we'll go up and be ourselves on stage. And so we may be the better live act on that night but that character comic is probably gonna nail a tv role right soon and then have a bang audience yeah to- they can they can go and do saturday night live yeah oh i'll be supporting reese darby next week by the way speaking of oh really speaking of amazing right. character uh comics and it's interesting because reese is probably like a really good example so, so yeah. we can talk about this because i think well I, certainly speaking from my point of view you know 
a wonderful stand-up comedian. Like I always enjoy yeah. gigging with him. But he's, but he's also my ex-girlfriend's favorite comic. Oh, is that right? The one, the girlfriend who I went, I went over there for five years uh-huh. in England. Um, and yeah, she always. Whenever I was working with Reese, she right. couldn't wait to come. Suddenly, she's interested in comedy. Yes, I'd, have, <laughs> I'd have to let her know in order to get her to come to a gig. Oh, is Reese on? Oh, oh I'll, I'll come. I'll come watch Reese. He's so much fun to watch. But I guess he was a guy that early on, like, would have been. I remember doing a bunch of shows because I used to do a bunch of shows with him. Because anytime you're at like Montreal or whatever, they yeah. they'd like the Australians and the New Zealanders all have to do a show together, you know. Yeah. And right, yeah. You, you'd watch him and he'd do all these little bits and he's like sound effects and he's weird things and you'd be like yeah. I, I really enjoy this but I, I i wonder like if it'll translate as a st- and then as soon as you saw him start doing like character stuff in tv and movies you were like oh yeah right yeah that's what you were getting really good at all exactly. that time exactly yeah. yeah and now and then that'll that enables him to then build his audience build an audience that will come and see him do he's, yeah he's gonna right. pack the house next week right. so we're at the bray improv and it'll be rammed it'll right. be rammed with Reese darby fans and then so and it'll be my job to try to win a few of them over. Right. Now that is like <laughs> so. a great example though of how much skill it takes to be someone who's doing support for other people, right? <laughs> so I did support for Sarah Silverman when she toured Australia. Oh, basically because nice. I wanted to go and see the shows anyway. Yeah. Secondly, because yeah, yeah. Sarah and I had met and were friendly. And the, and thirdly, just because I was like, I've not done support for a long time, right? Like, you know, literally, right, yeah. yeah, I've been on lineup gigs where I'm not the headlining act, but like yeah. actually going out to do, so, you, it's someone well, it's, else's audience, right? I don't know. That's, yeah. So you're doing, you could not be doing two more different audiences. Exactly. So Jim Jeffries and Reese Darby. So yeah, so hopefully a year from now, if I can get up to the level here in the States right. of headlining and stuff like like I do in, in Britain and Australia and elsewhere. So that's my audience in the States that I'm trying to pinch from. So I'm trying to get a combination of like probably the hipsters that come yep. to a Reese Darby show and the aggressors that come to a Jim Jeffries Free show. I so, mean, essentially, so JJ you're gonna, Whitehead show will become this meld of it'll, confused hipsters it, it, and aggressive. It'll, it'll be all the people who got bullied at school and all the people who bullied them. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be. That's my audience <laughs> that I'm trying to cultivate. <laughs> my management's doing a great job. <laughs> you know what JJ needs. That is interesting, though. Do you? Because I think people would be interested in hearing about the craft of that. Because, like, as you said, you're a guy who headlines and does your own hour shows and all those sort of things right around the world. Yeah. But when you come to do, like, you know, support for somebody else and you're doing two such different crowds, do you just yeah. pretty much go out there and do what you do regardless? You know what? I was going to say that. I was talking, I've been, I've talked to a few people because I have not worked with Reese yet. So right. I've worked with Jim a, for a bit now, probably mm-hmm. for a year. You know, and we've done Britain, we've done America, and I think I've got. I think I put add a little edge to my right. stuff when I'm going on before Jim yeah. that I wouldn't do on my own club set. But I think that edge isn't necessarily in the material; it's probably just in my shoulders right. and my yeah and my face. Because as I was talking with people, I was like, I don't think I'm going to change my set for Reese, but I think there will be. But I'll just have some more humility. In my heart, there'll be a little bit more like, "Hey, right. what's, what's up, guys?" I don't, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, there's but it'll a, probably be the same the same material that a Jim Jeffries audience thinks. Right. Ooh, that's so edgy. There's a way to make a restart audience think, "Ooh, that's that was quirky and clever." You no, know, I so. mean there is, and and, yeah. and it's such a s- subtle shift. Yeah, like, and it's a shift that you sometimes have to do night to night in your own shows. If you're doing a festival run, like, you know, a late show on a Saturday night can be very different to the, you know, matinee show you do on a Sunday or, or yeah. whatever. You know, you have to tweak the way. You can't go out a Sunday afternoon crowd necessarily in the way you went at the yeah, late yeah. show on Saturday night. So you need to know how to do that. But I also think that um, it's so funny what little things can change it. Like yeah. it can be, you know, the shirt you wear or the way that I, – I was yeah. talking to this Australian comedian called Monty Franklin who's over here doing work. And Monty – um, is a guy who, in fact, there'll be an episode of this that'll go up with Monty in the next couple of weeks. But Monty uh, is like a really good-looking, clean-cut-looking guy. But at the moment, he's growing a beard for like a, a part in a sitcom. Right. And yeah. I said to him, because he like plays a lot of the mainstream clubs around town, but his material would work well enough in like, yeah, the hipster clubs around town, like Meltdown and The yeah. Virgil and stuff like that. And I said to him, like, joking, half-jokingly, like, backstage, I was like, why do you have that beard? You should try to, like, play some of the hipster clubs. And I ran into him a couple of days later, and he goes, I got booked in three. Yeah. Because he has a beard. 
It's amazing the little psychology. I uh, I was gonna tell you, it's probably been a decade now, but there was a gig at the Halifax Colony Festival in Nova uh-huh. Scotia, which is where I'm. I'm from Nova Scotia originally, so my and I was doing two nights at this place called the Waterfront Warehouse. Now okay. the Waterfront Warehouse is a restaurant year round anyway, uh-huh. but they're filming this TV show in there over the two nights for the Comedy Festival. Okay, my father sure. and my family booked a table at both nights. And the first night, and the first night of filming, they had all these facades up, like a big styrofoam lobster right. and and oversized lobster cages and, mm-hmm. a, and, a, and a styrofoam fisherman. And some of them were blocking sight lines. Right. And the sound wasn't very good. And the first three acts were all struggling. And then when I got on, I struggled as well. It just You could hear an echo in the room. And it was just... It was not a good gig for right. any of us. And they were all excellent comics. Steve Patterson, who's an amazing... Yeah, uh, Steve Patterson, right. I, I love. Patterballs. Right. Patterballs was the host. Right. So he's hosting it. And he's every, after every comic, he's coming off stage going, God, it's just not working. And so, right. so we, we told the organizers and everything. We said, look, these styrofoam facades are... Are not only are they kind of in the way, but they're absorbing the sound right. in a weird way that nobody knows. <laughs> so hey, uh, we love what you've done with this room that's already not designed for comedy by yeah, putting things in yeah. it that it will absorb the sound <laughs> and the sight line. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's the only two things we have to offer. Yeah, yeah. It is our words, yeah. people being able to hear them and see us. They, that yeah. is what people have come out for. And sometimes they think, but that's all, but people just hear the words and laugh. That's all there is to it. And, like, mm. and we have to try to. Yeah, but you're, you know, like, you know it's nice for them to be able to hear the words so, so uh so we so then i had to deal with my family for us the night as right. well and uh you know and and patterson was still hanging out so we're all hanging out but but there's that air over us of of like well actually we said it as we were leaving the venue we're like well let's go i'm sure we'll be waved into every bar in town the the you know the word of our success must have hit town by now kind right. of thing. but of course my family is like well that wasn't fair is this working out for you yeah and right going, and then the next night they had taken away uh-huh. the big lobster cage and yep. the big styrofoam fisherman and they had tweaked the sound a bit and we had a stormer and mm. we all ripped the roof off of it and you know had an awesome night and then my father afterwards we're all drinking at the bar and just oh the mood is so much better right me and patterson are just arm in arm going that's what we came here to do and then my father is like my father goes that the stuff that you talked about tonight was a lot funnier than the stuff you talked about last night and i was going oh dad that was the same exactly the same set same set and my father's like my father's going no i don't think it was i was going yeah i'm I'm pretty sure it was dad that was he goes no no that was totally different no dad same stuff he goes well why wasn't it like they just because of the fucking lobster dad that's why yeah that fucking lobster you know why it wasn't in the room tonight because it got into all the best clubs in town last night it partied with young models and it's in bed with three of them right now best best heckler ever (laughs) six foot styrofoam lobster just stage right i I always find it fascinating um i thought for a minute you were going to say that your parents didn't come the next night (laughs) (laughs) they were like shit last night the gig was great but there was like like eight empty seats down the front where your family Would you was mind to changing your last name right. <laughs> uh your mother and i've had a talk we think it's gonna hurt her real estate business so i'm retired so i can weather the storm but uh your mom still wants to sell a house <laughs> So, so we were fine with the fact when you were ruining your own life, but now you're ruining the family legacy. <laughs> but Dad, you told me you were proud of me last year. Well, I hadn't seen you do this yet. <laughs> we, <laughs> we've adopted the lobster. <laughs> He's our son now. You can't come home. The next time you see a real estate poster in town with your mum, arm around the lobster. Um, Dad, don't, don't call me that. It's amazing. Like, and people, I, I, the one that I always floors me is uh, you've been doing like a show for, you know, to the point where I, 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 it's a hard way to say this. You'll understand what I mean, but I want to say it in a way that the people who are listening understand what I mean, which is you get to a point where all the jokes in your show have consistently been laughed at enough that you know they're all funny. Now, that yeah. doesn't mean that night every single one of them is going to get... Ama- but you know, like, they've gone, they've all gone out enough individually yeah. to go, no, 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 they, you know... if, But if you have one, like, and maybe you're like... 
when I'm doing like the Melbourne Comedy Festival or whatever, like, you know, there's a lot of people in the room, like a lot. And I will do like 20 nights in a row. And then one night there will just be one joke just- that everyone at once just goes, nah. And yep. you're like, 20,000 people just saw that joke. And I'm going to say 18,000 of them enjoyed it. And tonight, a thousand of you at once just went, nah. Yeah, and you try to laugh it off, but they're just... And you can't you can't explain it. You no. can't go... Well, I want to stop. I, no, I, I've got to the point where I want to stop and go, what fucking happened? Yeah. What happened just then? Yeah. Because I've... What happened? <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't. You just... Yeah, that's, and that's when the heckles come. Right. Are you, you sure? And you're like, yes, yes, I'm sure. I'm sh- sure. I feel like, I'm sure it I feel like, to be honest with you, I've run it by heaps of other people and they agreed it was a joke. So yeah. you're, not just, yeah. you're not just disagreeing with me. <laughs> yeah. You're disagreeing with a weight of evidence. You are, you are like a climate skeptic. <laughs> that's what you are. If the majority of the smart consensus is that that is a joke. Yeah. But you in your underground cave with all your screens watching the car park at the local shops, you're like, I don't think that's a joke. There's there's that one. This happened to me on my English tour recently where I'm – so I've got a few stories. And once you – if you've got a four or five-minute story, mm-hmm. you know, it's got, it's got a few punches through it and you're keeping everybody focused. But that final punchline on, right. on the fourth minute, which is the, the end, the grand uh-huh. conclusion to the story, I was just arriving at that mm-hmm. when a woman – Came in the came in the door to the to the right of the stage and walked across the stage. She loudly came in the door as well right. and then walked across the stage. Now she didn't acknowledge me or she didn't try to interrupt the show uh-huh. with words or anything, but it, it happened. And I and could everybody see, I could see half the audience's right. eyes draw to her. Right. And and like and that distraction happened. And then I'm on and I don't know what to do now because because if anything, actually, if she'd have came in the door and heckled. That would have helped. Go for it. And I could deal with the heckle. But this kind of just bombarding in, walking across, it's like a subtle heckle that's just a beautiful thing. Right. Because... The audience doesn't know that their attention's gone away. Uh-huh. And then I finish with the with the grand conclusion of the story and it falls flat. Right. And I can't and I kinda try to explain. I kinda I kinda tried to go, that was a brilliant heckle. Like you just timed that perfectly. But I can see half but, the room is going, but she didn't she didn't heckle right. or anything. She didn't So know, but, uh, but it, it worked. There is a William H uh, cause I know I know exactly what happened to you. Uh, there is a William H. Macy movie called The Cooler. Have you ever seen this movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got done by a cooler. Yeah. Like, uh, if you've never seen the plot of that movie, it's like he's like a Vegas guy or whatever, like a gambling city. And if someone's on a streak, it's his job to go and just like stand by the table or just like whatever. And then their luck runs out. She was a comedy cooler. I think we we might not be doing comedy a service by pointing this out to your audience. Right. (laughs) If there are any blossoming hecklers out there, it turns out Mm. using words is not the most effective heckle. Actually, next time you're in an auditorium, Right. Or, or in a gig. Next time you're in a gig, in a club or whatever, and you want to heckle a comedian, if you want to do it really effectively, yeah. just stand up or so, just stand right. up hold your hands out like a tree or something do that for seven seconds and then sit back down and you will have distracted enough of the audience to just create a vacuum uh, open some chips and eat them yeah, well, yeah the, <laughs> the, the crunchy candy wrapper is always the move of a do cocaine in the front row <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, that helped that night. <laughs> right, focus. But, uh, they had focus. Yeah. <laughs> Balancing it on their knees and everything. Wow. Uh, where are the most vocal crowds? Like, uh, well, I suppose with the gym thing, but you'd still be able to, from country to country, tell, like, you know, are, are there certain places yeah. that are more likely to, to yell out, to, like, give you a hard time to be that sort of crowd? Definitely. I still, I mean, I haven't seen enough of the states yet, uh-huh. but I think... I think LA audiences are very supportive. They're very, yep. um, they're very. Oh, he's, he's pursuing his dream, right? Because because every, um, everybody in the audience is also someone who yeah. either is pursuing their dream or was pursuing their dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all on the same right. team. We all came here. <laughs> yeah. We all came here for the same thing. You're you're still doing it. Good on you. Yeah. My dreams have been crushed. That's why I'm a comedy. <laughs> um, and I and I say uh, I'd say when I was just over in Australia, just great gigs. I think I'm still going to say the further north you get in Britain, right, the more vocal they can be. Uh-huh. So once you get up around Newcastle and then into Scotland, um, now they can be lovely audiences as well, right? But 
if you get them in the wrong mood, and it, maybe if they and if they've been drinking a little bit too much, right. they can be the hardest ones to win over. Yeah. I always found that Scottish audiences, whether they're in uh, whether they're in good spirits or whether they're they're not, yeah, they like to get involved. There's going to be a bit of banter. Right. You got to be ready. If you ask, if you ask a rhetorical question, somebody yeah. will answer it. <laughs> yeah, like, they will. <laughs> no, we, no. we came here to give you your answers, Mr. Comedian. Well, don't finish questions. Uh, don't finish sentences with a question mark and an inflection if you don't want our input. Yeah, Make yeah. definitive, declarative statements and move on. Definitely. And yeah. especially, and then it's, of course, it's always danger when you see a bachelor party. Cause okay, they'll so, get, that, so they, I, yeah, because they'll have the loud conversations. I so think a Scottish bachelor party, right. real hell. <laughs> I think that's more. Um, uh, that's definitely a United Kingdom thing too, because they dress up a lot, and yeah. like there's a real tradition of like I, I've told this story before on the podcast. But the worst gig, I well, it wasn't actually the worst gig. One of the worst starting gigs I ever did in the UK. I haven't done a lot of like you know touring around the United Kingdom, but. Um, uh, I was in Manchester doing like a Saturday night gig that was in like, you know, just a, a disco that turned into a yep. cop, one of those yeah, ones. Yeah. And it was like about 300 people in the room. The room smelled of like vomit and regret. And it was half like hen's nights, you know, lady bachelor parties. And it was half, you know, bachelor party stag do's, you know, whatever, bucks parties. Yeah. Um, and the guy said to me at the start, he's like, oh, they won't laugh at your first three jokes. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, in this room, if they've never seen you before and they haven't heard of you, they will not laugh at your first three jokes. But do them and do them well. And if they're good, they'll start <laughs> laughing at the fourth joke. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing that happened was he's introduced me. This is the reaction. He goes, our next act's from Australia. Boo! Like the whole audience All start right. booing, right? Yeah. So that's a good start. I get up there because in my head, I'm like, fuck you, mister. Like, I know you don't know, but I've done this a lot. I've got some fucking good jokes, even for a crowd like this. Yeah. No way is it going to take me three jokes. I've done the first joke, fucking nothing. Yeah. Like a joke that I have done all over the world. Like I did the second joke, nothing. And now like I'm starting to sweat and I'm starting to panic. I do the third joke, fucking nothing. Fourth joke, as he said, bang, they were there. I've never... Really? It was so amazing. It just slowly had to build up for them. They just were, It was just like they were like, we're not going to trust you until we know you have four jokes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> We've seen guys with one good joke before. We've been betrayed by guys that were like, ha, 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 oh, the rest shit. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. You show us you got three good ones and then heavy. we'll get on board. We want a little for free first. Right on. Well, that's amazing. Cause, yeah, and that's the thing too of it's not just anywhere else in the world. You could do a gig down the street, you know, or like in the same like, – because right. a place like Manchester and London as well, because that just happened to me in London. I was playing like in – I was playing at the Comedy Store mm -hmm. in Leicester Square and I took a friend of mine and he loved it and it was a killer gig. Um, and then after the gig, I said, well, I just picked up another gig up the road. It's not – a great gig it's right it's to be honest it's one of the, it's the worst gig in britain right and i tried to tell him but he's all excited now he's like who cares? i'm sure you're gonna rock right everything comedy is brilliant and then i, <laughs> so then I <laughs> took him up the, i said because I, I was just like you can stay here and watch the rest of the comedy store line right. and stuff and he's like oh no I, i'm gonna come and watch you again let's let's do it and i'm like okay you sure about this i'm really? telling you this is not a good gig uh -huh. and he's just ah whatever and sure enough it was just it was full of it was, you know tables when they're all facing each other yeah that's always and they've good. been eating dinner yep and i think they buy the ticket is the meal and then the show is free right so they really don't care and the <laughs> mc is on stage when i walk in the club and he's it's just all you can hear is them eating food and having their own conversations <laughs> and the mc is already just going all right well fine fine if you guys you, if you don't listen then geez you're not gonna <laughs> you know, we've got another comic coming up, and then, then somebody else goes, "Finally!" And then, and, then, and, then, and then he introduced me, and it was the same. I was like, "Okay, look, I did after," and I told myself, "I'm just going to be professional. Right. I'll just do it." Uh -huh. And they have to get on board. Yeah. But, but after a couple minutes, I lost my patience too. Right. I was just like, "Okay, look, you're only going to get what you give. That's right? All, that's all." <laughs> 
And now I'm lecturing them. And I can see my buddy at the back of the room. Just He's now standing. He's come five feet forward. He's got his hand on his forehead. And I'm just now playing to him. And kind of in between jokes, I'm kind of looking at him going, I told you, man. I told you. And, and, then, I, and then I go back to my, to my jokes. And then I'm looking at my watch. Like, okay, well, it's time to go. <laughs> and then we leave. So, so we leave. So we're outside. And uh, Eddie goes, oh, I, uh, I see what you mean. Right. <laughs> and I went, well, mm. so what do you think? We can stay here mm. or we can go back to the comedy right. store. And so we just went straight back down the road, sat in the comedy yeah. store. Let's pretend that never happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just, That's let's, a, one of, but it is one of the great things about comedy is that no matter how big and how good it gets, there's always one of those gigs just yeah. around the corner. But not only is there one of those gigs around the corner, but we're such fucking idiots that we will take it. Exactly. Like you you I, said the sentence to me that you went and did a gig at the worst gig in Britain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you knew that before you went there. Because, hey, why not? Right. <laughs> It'll be really rewarding if I pull it off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I did because um, you know I had done it before, and I had had a good right. gig there as well. Uh-huh. To be honest, this was my least favorite experience at that. Gig. Right. So it's funny that I told him this. Right. And it because I guess there was a little bit in my mind that even though I'm telling him that it's the worst gig, right. I've been, I'm gonna rip the shit out of it. And, but you know, it just didn't no. Happen. But this, and I, I love that because that's what you want. You want to be things. like, oh no, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, right. It's been a shit it, night for everybody else. <laughs> but wait until it's bad. But when I storm in with my right. with my cape, <laughs> and because uh, uh, I did say on stage as well, you know, when you're just looking at it, I have to go. You know what? Uh, Ninety nine point nine percent of this job goes pretty well for me. Right. But I'm. Uh, Really thankful when I run into the point zero one like you people, and you just slap me down and go, "Not yet, <laughs> not yet, not yet." Yeah. Still something about you, <laughs> not yet. Um, I, I start, think that I you start will... to enjoy it later in my career right. too, because you know. Oh no, no, no! Oh, but, this is good. But, yeah, hurt me a little bit. <laughs> but also, I, like the the percentage of the times that that is happening are so low that you can intellectualize. Maybe not while you're in the moment, but <laughs> yeah. you can intellectualize at least afterwards that, you know, everyone has shit gigs yeah. and most of the gigs you do are fantastic and, you know, various degrees of great, you know, and fun. And most of the time you're getting paid to do something yeah. that feels so good that you would like pay for the experience if someone could guarantee you like a good gig, like, yeah. you know, and oh, you're sorry. getting paid for that. Like it's, it's amazing, but yeah. So you can kind of enjoy it. But when you first start, like most of your gigs like that, and so you can't, like you're just like, well, this no, is my I, life. Well, I love seeing, I lo- I like, like the MC who, who was at this gig, I kind of like seeing the, uh, like a newer comic when they're in that situation and they're right. really panicking and they're going, no, fuck you. No, right. no, you know what? I'm good at it. And they're just throwing that hissy fit and you're just, that's, it's, it's, it's sadistic, but it's fun to watch. I won't, I won't. <laughs> mention where we were at when uh, we saw this happen it could have happened at any time anywhere but there is something also great about going to new comedy when like because we were the same as well (laughs) like you know we like you know were too ambitious or thought we were too cool or thought we weren't cool enough or suddenly decided to be quirky or like all those you know, because you're just trying to work out who you are. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you're like, oh, am I this guy? Am I, am I the cool, angry guy? No, I'm probably not. Like, but yeah. I thought I was for a bit or, like... And so, you see those... So, we were at a gig the other night where um, somebody did, like, a pretty racist joke. Not a racial joke. Like, a, a racist joke. I, I think that in their head it was ironic or, yeah. like, you know, it was kind of... Like, the, the intent was to be provocative for the sake of being provocative, but... But it, however it came out, it did not come yeah. out like that. It just came out as like full-blown racist. Full racist. Right? <laughs> yeah. The entire audience went silent apart from like one black guy who laughed up the back yeah. and the dude said, oh, come on. <laughs> he laughed. Yeah. There's he's, one of them laughing. He's on board. Yeah. He said, but he used the expression, there's one of them. And I was like... And, like and, and, I've seen some people die at comedy, but I think you're about to die at yeah. comedy. And it was so amateur that because that was a com- it was a black comic that was laughing, wasn't it? Right. Because I don't think he realizes well. Like sometimes we sometimes comedians laugh, or even or or audience members laugh because 
it's that extra three seconds. They laugh at the whole fact right. that you attempted that joke. They're I mean, not laughing at the punchline. They're so, laughing at the, oh my God. Sometimes people laugh. Ridiculous. If one person's laughing, sometimes they're laughing to release the incredible tension they have. Yeah. They're like, I should laugh at this so I don't <laughs> shoot this dude. Yeah. Secondly, yes. Like, I mean, I laughed. Because uh, yeah. I laughed because I was like, what the fuck just happened? I, uh, like, <laughs> I almost cried laughing at the uh, comedy store. In Manchester, like probably about a year ago, um, I was doing this gong show thing and uh, like just hosting it. And the audience was, uh, it's just one of those things where the audience is a body of people just gave me one of the biggest laughs I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there's three cards in the audience, just three cards scattered through the audience. And so the audience has to decide when to hold up the red card. So, uh-huh. so as long as the comic, and these all are all new comics, so as long as they can last on stage until the red cards all three go up around the room most comics can last like about three or four minutes or whatever and a really good one just goes forever until i you know just call it because you know that's 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 enough and they're usually the winners right that's but um the audience is a body of people just made me piss myself because this guy came on like like a big dumpy looking kind of trucker guy with spiked ginger hair and and uh just kind of this fake authority, almost like a new wrestler, like he right. should be a w, <laughs> WWE, and just too much confidence. And he swiped at the microphone like awkwardly. In in the end, he kind of when he swiped at the microphone, he didn't really grab the microphone. Right. He just hit the mic stand really, uh-huh. and the mic stand kind of wobbled and shifted. And then finally, he pulled out the mic and he goes, "I'm Chris." And then, bam! All the cards went off. I said, I, I, I didn't, I didn't prompt them. Just a Manchester audience. Yes, went. Now we're done with him. And that's all he got out. And then he refused to leave the stage. He just started arguing with them. How can you do? I've driven three hours to come here and do this. And and now the now the Manchester audience is just laughing at him. And I'm just sitting there going, Get up! Just just go, man. Just go. You just gotta go. This is the experience. Well, isn't that the crazy thing about the job that we do as well, though? Because if you imagine if you did any other, like if you went to a job audition in yeah. any other yeah. workplace, and like you know you went to sit down, and they was like, "Hi, my name's," they were like, "No, yeah, done, you know, you're out." Think, yeah. You're like, it's gold. I love it. <laughs> um, so you're gonna live in America. You're gonna do gigs here in America, and um, yeah, that'll be fun. You'll you'll love that. There's so many cool gigs in around LA. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm also enjoying the sunshine. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it's it? It's winter, and it's I've, like. I have to put suntan cream on, like when I go out, like for a yeah. walk. Yeah, you'd be the same with your complexion, um, right? It's like yeah, it's- totally. I mean, we're going to the East Coast. Yeah, I'm trying to maintain something because we're, of course, going to the East Coast now for the next four days. Mm. So I'm going to lose the tan, and then I'll oh, probably right. come back on Sunday and get the sunburn again. I'm uh-huh. like, so you have to kind of keep it up. But I, uh, the so this LA lifestyle because the flat that I'm subletting came with dogs. Oh, so I've inherited two, and I love dogs and everything. Right. You can never have dogs as a comic. So I even I took one of them down to a dog because this this place is pretty dog friendly. Right, very so dog had, friendly. So I had a much dog. more dog friendly than baby friendly. Yeah, had like a, if you have a baby at a restaurant, people will stare at you. But if you have a dog <laughs> inside like, a restaurant, oh, they're like, look, yeah. yeah, let him go back in the it's, kitchen. It's the way get him forward, up on the man. bench. Let him meet the chef. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's uh, so I'm having uh, a lot of fun now. It, it's yeah, it feels like I've only been here for seven days this time, but it feels like I've found an instant. What sort of dogs so did you? There's like, a big mutt. Uh huh. So a big like yeah. I don't know, big cro- cross mutt. Uh-huh. You know, who thinks it's a lap dog kind of thing? Sure. She's great, and then there's a little tiny weasley salt and pepper, whatever sized thing. I, okay. I so don't big, know big dog, big dog, little dog. Though. A big dog and a little dog. And the little dog uh, humps the big dog when it gets a chance, <laughs> which uh, cracks me up. Humps the big dog and looks me in the eyes. No, just just straddles her neck fold and sits there grinding away, looking like, at me. What are you going to do about just, this? Yeah. You don't owe me. Welcome to L.A. Right. <laughs> you're, you're, not, you're not my real dad. <laughs> why didn't you take me to the dog friendly <laughs> bar? Well, that's why. Because you're a horny little football-sized rat. Right. He's like an LA um, producer, movie producer, <laughs> humping a supermodel. There's a lot of... Um, I, that, that's because I, 
Are you single at the moment? I am, yeah. Yeah, so will you date when you're out here? Will you think, well, will you try yeah, to date? Will you attempt might be dating? Time. I was single when I saw you in Australia right. as well. Yes. So that was um That was a while I, ago. Yeah, I saw you in August, I think. Right. I think I saw you in August. So yeah, I've been single since July mm-hmm. of last year. It might be time right. for me to, uh, like, to but, stop being such a loner. <laughs> right, but like, but you're in LA and dating in LA is a bit weird, right? Like, yeah, well, well, I I'm mean, told that I all hear. the women are crazy, so... <laughs> so, that's what, is uh, that like a pro or a <laughs> con for you? Well, it's, uh, it's a one-night pro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we say that? I mean, a lot of um, people have moved here because they have father issues. So, yeah. I, I mean, I guess you could pray on that. Daddy told me I should make it big. <laughs> How much money does daddy have? <laughs> How much has daddy offset the crazy here? Right. There is, yeah, oh. it's, it's interesting town. You see a lot of, and I'm not to judge, who knows what like yeah, the relationships are like, but you do see a lot of yeah. um, young, modelly looking women with like creepy middle-aged dudes i mean it gives you hope i suppose if you ever become a creepy middle-aged dude that there is a place where you can you know <laughs> this podcast is taking a weird turn it always does are you single these days uh, yeah, i am but i'm yeah, like I'm, not, I'm single but not looking is so, how, how i describe right. it really yeah, yeah. okay see so i haven't been looking yeah but i was just thinking i'm having a big year on the road this year so i'm just kind of like it well, would be that's that's how exactly how right. I felt as well. Like so, because when I saw you in August, so that was I did the Australian tour, and then September was New Zealand. October, November was here yep. in LA. December was Nova Scotia, back with my parents, and then January was England in the rain. Um, and so now I'm here, February. So that was my big road chunk. So and now I'm gonna just stay here for a long when I'm not on the road with Jim. Uh, uh, so I'm gonna be here for a while. So yeah, I think. I'm coming out of that now, so I'm going to be single and maybe looking. I, now, I and this is a, this is a purely a hypothetical question, but if and and as you said, you've never actually done like support gigs for Race Derby before, yeah. but just again, like I'm saying, purely hypothetical. If you were more likely to meet somebody that you would date at either a Jim Jeffries gig. Or a Reese Darby gig. Which of those two do you think is most likely that you would find um, the future Mrs. Jason Tom Whitehead? There are, some, there are some very attractive women at a Jim Jeffries gig. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> but if I had to go out on a limb, you'd probably find the ones that you wanted to date long term at a right. Reese Darby gig. Right. If I, if I had to. If I had to guess. Okay, now, what <laughs> if you had to meet someone and also score some ice? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> you know. You coming to the show tonight? <laughs> Good old Jim. <laughs> Jim will bring him in. Oh, my God. Um, we should finish up in a minute because I know you, you actually have to, to get on the road. So, uh, do you have a... Uh, so, it's uh, Wednesday today. When's your first show? Is it tonight or is it tomorrow? Yeah, no, we have to do the red eye tonight. So, we right. have to fly through the night tonight in order to get to Albany, New York in time tomorrow. To do, yeah. Yeah, right. the only way to get all these flights and stuff. Pretty cool looking venue. So, it's the Egg in Albany. Um, and it's... Uh, yeah, so the first gig's actually tomorrow night. It's so interesting. It's when you say like, the Egg, like we had a brief yeah. discussion about this before the podcast but like explain to the people who are listening what the what the venue the egg is well it looks see it's it looks like it's on the waterfront i've only seen a picture Uh right and uh it looks more like an egg cup actually but it looks like a a cheap amateur answer to the sydney opera house right you look at the photo you're like what have you guys done here like, it was like, the guy's like, it's on we, the water it's kind of looks like a big uh, monument we want something like the sydney opera house uh we don't have the budget for that <laughs> yeah. all right uh we can give you like an egg cup thing <laughs> yeah for like Ooh, what? an egg cup well new yorkers like eggs right we like we like egg cups who doesn't like eggs let's, it's let's, a great idea this is better than this yeah. is better than the sydney opera let's house. do that so it'll be quite the thing too, flying from this weather going to the east coast because they're bombarded with snow and crap right now. Aren't it, they? They've had a like terrible so, time. It's like new uh, like New York and places <laughs> like that have been completely under snow. For yeah, this whole. it's insane to think that when you're here in Los Angeles, where I mean, it's even blown my mind a bit. This because I went back to Australia for a week for my birthday, and it's been pretty much the same weather here in the middle of winter as it was in Australia. Right in the week I was back in the middle of summer. <laughs> it's doing my head in. Oh uh, yeah, I can't. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's you know it's almost like flying all the way back to Britain to go all the way across America and lose all these hours and stuff. It's, well, but, it's it's a it's a really massive country, and yeah, because of the yeah. time differences and stuff, it's. Oh well, that's very exciting. Well, now you got me thinking, though. Now you got me thinking. I got to get ready for these Reese gigs next week because right. that's where I got to meet Mrs. Whitehead. I think that I, so, uh, I think that you'd be very happy about so, uh, meeting like a future Mrs. Whitehead so, uh, at like a race derby gig. That, like you know what I mean? Like that seems to be a, right. that's a realistic story, right? It'd be probably not going to happen. At- I think that like and you you could definitely like be a rock star in that community. I think oh. I think that you've got a, like a nice crossover look, but you could be like the oh, uh, the cool like you know like look he's uh, got long hair, but he wears the same glasses as our people do. But, but, <laughs> but, then, but then it sounds like like it could be the last chance though, because after I do these gigs with Reese next week, I'm right. back on the road with Jim for a month. Right, that's it. So you've got oh to, dear lord, right, no, that's right. You've got to get her. So so if there's anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who needs a Canadian passport? Uh, then Canadian and Irish passport. I'm loaded. I've got, right. I've got a lot to offer. Yeah, you, you, so. that's right. You're like you, you're living in America at the moment. I mean, you're an international man, and I'm history. hardly ever home. Honey. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> I hope you like your independence. Probably, maybe not like for someone who's looking like a full time partner, but maybe. <laughs> Maybe you've already got someone, but you, you've got a couple of days free per week. Look, like, look, we'll be in the retirement home together. So it's uh, <laughs> a nice pitch. We're, we're building towards something. All right. So um, if people want to find out information, I imagine all Jim's gigs are probably sold out. So people probably can't come and see them. But if they want to find out information about where you are, where can they find you on like Twitter or the internet um, or all those sort of things? Yeah. So I'll be mostly, yeah. If you want to look at Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's tour gigs, they're on his website. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a new website that just went live. So it's JJ Whitehead. Uh, .net, um, brand new website. Um, Is there a jjwhitehead.com? Uh, there or, was, yeah, there was. Was, yeah. It, was it you or was it someone else? No, it was somebody who tried to sell it to me for like 500 bucks or whatever. They went, oh, yeah, we got it. And I just went, oh, screw you, man. <laughs> screw how How famous do you think I am? Right. <laughs> you're like, well, apparently he you thinks said, you're $500 famous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that, is that good or bad? I, think, I mean, Maybe. he thinks you have $500. That's, yeah, that's funny like, if he wrote me back and went, all right, I'll do it right, for 50. 50. And, then, and then I'm insulted. Yeah. What do you think? That's all I'm worth? <laughs> or if you just written your email about go, what you got? <laughs> whatever you got. I'll just take whatever you have. I'll uh, give you a free ticket to a Reese Derby. Sure. Right. How hot are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, if people just want to follow you, like on uh, yeah, uh, Twitter J- and all this, JJ White Snake mm-hmm. on uh, on Twitter, and because uh, I was drunk. And uh, so you're here. You're going to stay here. You're not going to be back in Australia and stuff for a I'm while. I'm going to stay here for a while. I think I'm going to. I would like to plan for Australia maybe 2015. Mm-hmm. I think. I think I'm just going to get stuck in here and do my best. Right. Because I do want i mean I, I love you britain and i miss you britain all that kind of stuff but i think i'd like to abase myself out of here um so i want to make this want to make this stick somehow and i think the only way to do that is to hang around isn't yeah, it yeah no I, I definitely think that's the yeah. case. you kind of have to it's one of those places that rewards you being here yeah i think so, like, so. Like, i think the thing that you'll notice is that you are of a level in of skill in your job that you could do any of the jobs that you will get offered sort of thing. You know, you've done it for long enough. You'll be able to do all the gigs. You'll be able to do great at all the gigs. Yeah. Often you'll be the best person who's on at all the gigs. And people will be happy to book you for other shows and that sort of thing. But the minute that you when leave... you leave town, no they one, think... Because oh, there's a million other people who are, if they're not as good as you, they're like, yeah. you know, good enough... That they don't have to wait for you to come back yeah, from overseas. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you got to kind of just. I mean, it's it's the exact reason why I guess I ended up being a British comic is because well, like I started there and everything, but that commitment that I had to be in Britain mm. and go through all those open spot years and the tryouts and all that and build up my reputation in Britain that gave me my career in Britain. So that's right. how I ended up there. So you kind of got to we got to behave like we're in our twenties again. Don't right. We, we got to behave like we're new comics again, and you got to think of the, the little sacrifices that you got to make just being around network 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 <laughs> oh god oh, what am i talk i gotta get on stage <laughs> uh people can uh, find my tour um uh, it starts like uh, oh in less than uh two weeks uh i'm in adelaide for two weeks uh Illuminati is the name of the show uh the first four nights are preview shows so if you want to come and see me you know work out 
what the show is going to be in front of an audience, then come on the first four nights while they're cheaper. If awesome. you don't want to do that and you want like, I open on the Friday, so come And remember, he's not looking. Right. He's single <laughs> and not looking, which uh, is clever for one night stands are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brisbane I'm there for a week for the Brisbane Comedy Festival and then a month in Melbourne and then after that um, I am oh I just booked a a week at Acme I'm coming back to Minneapolis so for anyone like the Warner Brothers? Yeah. I will be <laughs> like making stuff for the Roadrunner. <laughs> awesome. Oh, sorry, for the, for the Coyote, not for the Roadrunner. Awesome. I will be making faulty products. Uh, oh. That's why they never work for the Roadrunner. They're made by comedians in Minneapolis. Oh, I no, there's uh, one of the best comedy clubs in America. Like, oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's Acme Comedy Club in, in uh, Minneapolis. And I played there about a year ago. And uh, so I'm coming back in April for a week of shows just after the Comedy Excellent. Festival. Uh, I've just booked another week in Cleveland later in the year, so I'm go- I'll be coming back to Cleveland as well for anyone who's been listening since I went to Cleveland this year. And uh, Montreal, I can say that I'm coming to Montreal. Don't really know what I'm doing yet, but they asked me and I'm going to come. So there'll be other things later in the year, but I'll talk to you about them when I know about them. But that's just some stuff that came up this week. Um, if you like the show, rated on iTunes. I haven't said that for a while, but that's always helpful. And make sure you check out all the other wonderful podcasts on the All Things Comedy Network as well. They've been really awesome supporting me while I've been over here. So um, make sure you go and check out all the... the it's a great network. It's run by comedians, for comedians, uh, Bill Burr and Al Magical and those guys are doing such a great job with it. So go and check out some of the other podcasts on that network. Uh, thanks to everyone who supported the t-shirt sale so much. All the money went to Earbuds, the podcasting documentary. Uh, it is not too late. They've got four days left um, on their Kickstarter. So if you want to donate some money to that to see a documentary about um, uh, about podcasting and and you know the, the connection with the fans, then you can support Earbuds, the podcast documentary on kickstarter um or if you want to know what it's all about listen to either the graham elwood episode i did a couple of weeks ago or the chris mancini episode i did last week where they both talk about uh the project and what they're trying to do uh jj thanks mate it was good thanks to see for you. having me man it's great to see you again